My Journey with Cancer. I've discovered a golden truth that from the start I was in your heart. A revelation that changed my world that from round one I am God's son. To be sure, in my mind, just who I am brings such peace, such joy. In my heart, in my soul, this means everything. I'm a man on a mission, I'm God's envoy. For now, I cancer sufferer i'm a human being with cancer it's my belief that god has called me to be frank and open about my cancer and my journey whether it be long or short to tell the world what it's like to have cancer and to walk that journey and to share with anyone who will listen what God can do so that you can see what cancer treatment is like for many of us it's a mystery and it's a frightening thing but it isn't it doesn't have to be and if you listen to my journey it might give you hope in yours Pops yeah we'd love to come on the journey with you Amen When I became a trainee nurse way back in the early 70s, it wasn't uncommon to hear patients referred to not by their name, but by their condition. Something like, that's for the appendix in bed 7, or Norman perhaps would have simply been called the amputation in bed 6. Sometimes the sister would come out of her office and give you instructions. Can you get the goldstones in bed 5 ready for theatre? Not good practice, but an indicator of man's perverse mindset. We often reduce people to the simplest of references, as in the Bible when those without many of the necessities of life were called the poor. And as far as society was concerned, they were beyond redemption, and so were lumped together with a group called publicans and sinners, and that's how they were known. Because they had not been blessed in life by God's abundance, they must be sinners. Today, we still do this although we often claim we don't. Before I retired, I was often asked, what do you do for a living? In a group of men, inevitably, the conversation would come round to, what's your job then? Of course, this probing was a way of defining who was best and who was least, a setting of social structure in the smallest of groups. Who earned the most or had the best title would lead, and the rest, of course, would follow. It happens in church, where we are often known or defined by the roles we fulfil in church. Elder, preacher, pastor, Sunday school teacher. Sadly, sometimes it gets so bad, we only know people as the ones who sit on the opposite side of church, or those people two rows behind. It's the reason cliques develop in church, and the cause of many are falling out. Society demands to know how people fit in, so people become part of a group defined often by the mob. Sometimes it's the mob of the internet via Twitter or Facebook. Sometimes it's the mob of the media and news outlets giving us our 60-second update so broad brushstrokes define a person's worth in society. 
Sometimes it's the mob of hatred who decides they don't like single mums or foreigners. Sometimes it's those who don't have jobs who are the outcasts. But sometimes it's those who do have jobs that are resented most. Sadly, sometimes it's the colour of your skin and sometimes the day on which you say your prayers. Sometimes it's the caste in which you were born and sometimes it's the silver spoon in your mouth that causes people to hate you. As we were musing on this the other night, my friend Jimmy said, people ask what you are, not who you are. And you know what? He was so right. And that leads me to the last point I want to pick up from our theme tune. By now I'm sure you know it by heart. The chorus of Rising Hope's True Identity says, I am loved, I am his, I am set free. In Christ, I have my true identity. Jesus, this means everything to me. In you I have my true identity. In Christ, I have my true identity. A statement that cuts across everything that the world says defines me. It tells me first and foremost what I am not. So in Christ, I am not just a retired document controller, nor am I just the guy who's got cancer. I'm not the man who sometimes feels like a failure, nor am I all the things the devil tries to tell me I am. You see, the identity the world or people try to put on me is not my true identity. That is something very different. For my true identity, we have to look in the Bible. And first and foremost in Christ, I am forgiven. My sins, which are many, are forgiven. Not because of anything I have done, but because I am, as the Bible puts it, in him, in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells me I am justified by his grace. In other words, my sin has been forgiven because I believed in Jesus and made him the ruler of my life. When I became a Christian, I received from God the gift of eternal life. And though I will one day depart this life, life itself will not end there. A verse in the book of Romans tells me, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know that I am loved. We looked at that in a previous programme and quoted the book of Galatians which says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Bible tells me I am no longer condemned. Like a prisoner set free from prison, a prison of my own making, be it drink, drugs, or any other habitual sin, I am set free. So not only am I free from the need to sin, but also I am freed from the consequences of sin. But it's more than that. I'm also set free from fear. I am also a new creation in Christ Jesus. Think about that. Recreated by God. Handcrafted by my Heavenly Father. His workmanship created not to sin, but to do good deeds in His name. The Bible says I'm now in God's family, brought near by the death of His Son. I am rooted and grounded in love, free from fear, free from burdens, filled with his peace. All these and more are reality in my life. And that is a reality. And sometimes it's very evident in my life. My identity is found in a loving God who died to set me free from fear and death. My identity is that of an overcoming one, someone who triumphs in Christ 
because Christ lives in me. It's just sometimes me and this old body of mine forget that and we fall back on our old ways, sinking into fear, feeling rejected, not an overcomer, acting more like one that's overrun by all the attacks of the enemy. Yet the book of Colossians tells me to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, to be forgiving in the same way that Christ was forgiving. But also, apparently, I am to put on love. Can you imagine that? Wearing love like a garment. So everyone who looks at you sees love and nothing else. I'm told I should let the peace of God rule my heart, and then I should be thankful. I should let the word of Christ dwell in me, creating in me wisdom. And finally it tells me that whatever I do, whether speaking or doing, I should do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Of course, if you know your Bible, you will know that these things are part of the character of Jesus. Read the Gospels and you'll see all of these and more as his unique brand of compassion collides with our world of sin and shame. It's a tall order to have to start and think like that. But it's not just here that this heavy load is put on me. In Ephesians chapter 4, the writer says, That I should walk worthy in the life I have in Christ, that I should be lowly and gentle, long-suffering and loving. And the writer has something to say about what I should avoid. Things like lewdness, uncleanness and greed are to be avoided. I'm not allowed to harbour anger in my heart or seek revenge on those who hurt me. Bitterness, wrath, anger, evil speaking, foul language and malice are all to be banished from my heart and mouth. So it seems my identity, my character, is rooted deep within me. But inside me it's a war zone. My old self, the sinful nature I've had all my life, constantly tries to reassert itself in my life. My spiritual nature, the one Jesus gave me, is always struggling to keep control. And it's hard work. I'm always having to be on my guard, so as not to sink back into the kind of life I lived. What can I do to stop this? The answer is nothing. Nothing at all. Because Jesus has already done it on the cross. His life and death, his grace and forgiveness are in fact all I need. If I feed my sinful nature, give in to its demands, it grows in strength. All the negative things in my life begin to grow and flourish. On the other hand, if I turn to God and begin to feed my spiritual nature, giving time to prayer and to God's word, the Bible, if I bite my tongue when I want to curse and swear, if I turn the other cheek when I'm offended or hurt, then as time goes by, the spiritual nature grows stronger. That's the process of growing holy. It's called sanctification. Like anything, if you want it, you've got to work at it. Strength only comes by exercising the right muscle groups. Speed can only come if you practice running really, really fast. To find your true identity, you have to submerge yourself in Christ. It's no use doing it half-heartedly. It has to be all or nothing. I thank God that I am no longer the one who is struggling, but that it is Christ in me that contends on my behalf. I can live up to all those demands and be like that. Why? Because Jesus was like that. And the more he rules my life, the more like him I can become. Jesus, this means everything to me. In you I have my true identity. I said in my very first programme, I am not a cancer sufferer. I am a human being with cancer. I am not defined by my cancer. I'm defined by the life of the Son of God. 
who dwells in me. The Bible says the life I now live, I live in him. And you know it is so true. I couldn't do what I do without his strength, without his hope rising in me. I couldn't face my future without knowing that Jesus has already defined my future by his death on the cross. My chemotherapy is almost complete. One more session to go and then a barrage of tests over a couple of months to see what's happening inside my body. The world around me will redefine me, give me a new identity. I'll no longer be the prostate cancer on chemo and maybe, God willing, I will become the patient in remission or even the patient who is cured. Of course, there are other possibilities and I may have a longer journey with cancer than I hope for. It's possible that in God's plan, I will go right to the very end and join him in heaven. But all of that is part of my identity. You know, for me, that's not what matters right now. I have a fairly new grandson. He's approaching his first birthday. And people keep saying to me, he's like me. He looks like me. To be honest, I can't see it. But you know, they say the eyes are the windows of the soul. Well, I hope and pray that when people look into my eyes, they will simply say, he's got his father's eyes. If my life can for some brief moment reflect the love and compassion of my heavenly father, then I feel that I will have done everything that God has asked me to do. If my life can reflect my father's compassion and love in that way, then I know that I found my true identity in my Lord and Saviour. You've been listening to my journey through cancer. So I'd like to invite you to join me next week at the same place on the dial, at the same time, and walk a while with me. And I personally trust it will be a long, long series because I want to be round for a long time. Jesus, this means everything to me. In you I have my true identity. Jesus, this means everything to me. And you I have my true